gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. <laughs> Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is The Aaron Meta Show. It is the 28th of June, 2015. You're listening to the Aaron Meta Show on Mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta. You can also uh, go on the Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Aaron Meta Show. Twitter.com forward slash Aaron Meta Show is there as well. And also, if you can't check us out on Mixcloud, uh, find us on the podcast distributors. It's it's, uh, Stitcher, it's iTunes. We're all over the place at the moment. And joining me also is Harry. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, doing all right. And uh, I've actually got some good news because I've actually seen Jurassic World. Oh, fantastic. Great. So, so I guess we're uh, going to talk about it. Yeah, we can finally talk about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm all excited about this. So uh, where should we start with this to begin with? I mean, shall we just give an overall or shall we just get into either like the story or the characters? I mean, where should we go with this? Uh, well, let's, uh, I suppose, uh, if we want to start anywhere, uh, we'll start with where it all started. So obviously in the 90s, uh, we had uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, what year was it that Jurassic Park came out? Was 1992, 1993, something like that. Yeah, so this film came out. Now, the original Jurassic Park was, um, it had a pretty nice uh, ensemble in terms of the cast, uh, and it had a pretty good story, stories go. And uh, lest we not forget, it was uh, a a pin in uh, cinema history where things would change forever uh, with the introduction of uh, new special effects Um, because when the project started a lot of the dinosaurs were all going to be stop motion puppets Um, and then it was when Steven Spielberg kind of said no I want to see if we can do something different with this and he managed to find the company that did these uh, CGI special effects and I believe the first thing they ever did was he just filmed some footage outside the back of the film studios and said can you put a dinosaur in this Uh, and they put in I think it was the the, either the Brontosaurus or the Brachiosaurus, the big tall ones, and um, and he sort of said, right, that's what we're going to go with, and the rest, as they say, is history. So, you know, it was a pretty big thing. I mean, no one had ever seen anything like that before, and of course no one had ever seen dinosaurs like this before. Uh, it just had everything in the right place in yeah. terms of the formula. Well, well, I did like it. I mean, it was... I mean, I didn't see that cinema done. I can't remember whereabouts it was, but so there have been, like, those, like, really niche films. I mean, so not... Well, like, you know, very lesser-known films that did uh, acquire that level of technology, but because the technology was so expensive at the time and because uh, it wasn't popular to do at the time, uh, it didn't really get the notoriety in order to justify the cost. So yeah. uh, it was only until Steven Spielberg said, hey, that's a good idea, that, uh, you know, Hollywood uh, thought, well, he did give us E.T., so yeah, I mean, exactly. Like... If Spielberg says it, then we'll go for it. Yeah, <laughs> but 
Yeah, it's uh, so that was obviously a, a grand film. Uh, they had a couple of sequels that were not all that good. Um, oh, no. I mean, I, I was hoping it's... that we could probably get away from the sequels, and I was thinking, you know, obviously when we, when we got Jurassic World for me was, I guess, sort of maybe a slight apology for the last two films, I guess. And yes. I'll be I'll be saying why that is, but in in the uh, in when we go over the next couple of minutes. But uh, I mean, if we go back to well, you know, The Lost World and Jurassic Park Three, to me, were just very forgettable. I mean, th- yeah, there, there well, was nothing memorable about any of those two films that uh, I can recall, and uh, both of them uh, really justified to didn't justify their existence. No, I mean the only things I can remember from uh, number two was the sequence where the t-rex came into uh the human world which basically the lost world was more of a creature feature than like you know a proper story with dinosaurs in it it became about the dinosaurs being sort of like bogeymen in the woods um and then of course you know the, the only thing i can really remember from number three was the i think it was the spiniosaurus which was the sort of long nose one that was sort of like going to be the new T-Rex, but nobody sort of really liked it. And again, it just became a sort of a, a creature feature. But um, I ended up killing the T-Rex at the, at the end as well. So which yeah, did, exactly. this pleased which, a lot of Jurassic Park fans. Yeah, well, um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit when we discuss uh, Jurassic World. But suffice to say, we had a brilliant film that has sort of cemented itself in cinema and cultural history. Um, and... Then we had those two pretty disappointing sequels. Um, And then we had this one. Now, I mean, the Jurassic Park fourth installment has been on the cards for years, and it's been a sort of will it, won't it... Um, and no one's ever yeah. really... Which is kind of strange because if you think about it, um, you know, some people say that a traditional movie series should really be three movies. I mean, obviously yeah. we had the, the original Star Wars trilogy and we all know that the Star Wars prequels were uh, uh, didn't live up to where anything near to where the original ones were. And no. then you had uh, X-Men, which was kind of a mishmash between, you know, really good films to begin with and not so great film at uh, the... Uh, in the second one and then somewhat kind of made up in the third and then obviously then that led on to other uh, X-Men films obviously so uh, maybe that doesn't technically count but uh, I mean for me the traditional movie series for me has always been just the three um, because yeah. that's where you know once you start going it's like you know let's say I mean, when we get to the fourth when we went to Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull yeah there were some okay things to it but uh, you know a lot of people are thinking what does Indiana Jones have to do with aliens and even South Park was making fun of it at the time so of course, uh, yeah. yeah there has been that uh, so it, when you're saying that there's going to be actually there's no one thing they did actually notice was that it wasn't actually called Jurassic Park 4 it was called Jurassic World so yeah. obviously there was this trying of uh, at the get go there was this kind of like trying to distance itself from the uh, from maybe the other two sequels maybe because they know that there would be that uh, stink in the air still hanging around and maybe they just wanted to uh, and also they gave it a fresh new look I mean they gave it I mean the logo was different for one thing I mean it was a blue uh, they were trying their best basically to to single out this one compared to the other three that they had before yeah well I mean this one um, was kind of like what sort of what John Hammond's vision of um, uh, Jurassic Park was um, in in terms of, you know, he had a huge park open to the public with dinosaurs on show. Um, So, I mean, at the start of the film, when they sort of go to Jurassic World, it's kind of established that it's 
already sort of been set up and running for a while. Um, so, and I mean, I was thinking, God, you know, so they're not, they're not sort of heeding from what happened in the last three films. Um, but no, they haven't. They've, they've gone ahead. They've built the park. And for all intents and purposes, it seems to be sort of running all right. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm really glad they did was is that they established that the park had been going for quite a considerable amount of time, and uh, wasn't it like bought out like uh, from that you know that guy in the uh, who was um, you know doing the helicopter thing? Uh, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't indicated that it was bought out at one point, I, I, yeah. I believe. And then uh, so it's uh, they thankfully they went with that angle of it rather than basically saying, "Well, we've got this park opening and again, and yeah. uh, we're going <laughs> to try and make it work again." And yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to introduce these dinosaurs, which may run amok again. It's like, you know, I'm glad they went with the theme of it's been going without incident. So, yeah. uh, that, and then that that led into uh, the situation that we had. Yeah. Now, uh, there's kind of uh, a few things to, to tackle um, in this respect. We've we've got um, we've got the, the family with the, the so the, the, the again, the, the film is sort of trying to get the the kids involved obviously in the first one yeah. we had the, the brother and sister um you know who were fantastic uh, in those roles um and again in this one it was sort of like right we need a couple of kids that are obviously going to be our kids in peril um but their whole sort of family situation uh didn't necessarily make sense to me and i think on the whole neither of them were uh uh, very truthful in their performances. Obviously, it's. Yeah. it's I mean, it's wasn't it? Wasn't the story was is that the kids were being sent to the park because uh, their parents were going through divorce proceedings and they didn't want to. Uh, I mean, if that's the case, then why not just you know leave them with a babysitter at home and not yeah. uh, do with, what they're doing? Yeah, or with any of the other family, because the idea obviously is that the uh, the uh, woman who's the sort of head scientist at the park. Um, I believe she like, she like the marketing director or something like that. I think. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, she's the one with the red hair. What's she called now? See, I can't remember any of the characters. Bryce, da- or Bri- uh, Bryce Bri- uh, Dallas Howard. She was Bryce- played at, that, and uh, yeah. she was Claire played Claire Daring, Dar- Dar- and yeah. she was the park operations manager. So I do yeah. apologize. And uh, she's the auntie of these two kids who are being sent there while the parents are going through a divorce. And uh, just a little footnote. Those parents did not look like they were under any kind of divorce strains or marital strains whatsoever. In fact, the way it was sort of portrayed was that they were sort of just a normal, happy family. Because when I saw it at the beginning, because they don't mention the divorce at the beginning. No, they just they say, don't. you know, hey, you're going off to see Aunt Claire. No, it's going to be fun. You know, so I thought, if anything, it might have been just a Christmas present that they've got tickets to go there. But no, they've yeah. been sort of sent away there for this. But I didn't, but you don't find out about the, the divorce until later on in the film when the younger brother, who just seems to whinge all the time, uh, start sort of having a little cry about it. Um, but then it's never really touched on again. And even later in the film, when you have that information that the parents are going through a divorce, uh, when you see them, you don't get a sense of that at all. You don't get that kind of... Um, the, the the kind of valley between them. Yeah, was uh, that a plot so, device put in just to uh, create a little bit of drama? Which to say that you know you put a park in a uh, if you put a, put a couple of kids in a park with some uncontrollable dinosaurs. I mean, it's like that's not drama enough in itself already, or any kind of thriller aspect. Yeah, exactly. They need to kind of add some some level of truth to it. Although from the performance, from the scripting, from the filming, there was no truth to it whatsoever. Because no. at no point did I think this is a family that's going through a divorce. Um, 
But anyway, um, to go back to the kids, they get sent off to Jurassic World and, you know, they sort of mix in with the crowds and, you know, business is booming. Um, so they arrive and they are, I don't know whether they're, they're, they're met straight away, aren't they, with the overly English woman who yeah. is their keeper <laughs> for, uh, for their time at Jurassic World. She's the uh, assistant of uh, Bryce Dallas... Howard, um, Tell you, what, you know that she was overly British and like she was one of the uh, uh, people to die quite catastrophically in the <laughs> yes. film. Yeah, Is that well, gonna, like, I, was that like Hollywood's dig at like British actors being, uh, you know, obviously, you know, British actors have, have been like sweeping award ceremonies and stuff like that. I mean, was that Steven Spielberg's dig at, uh, at them, do you think? Well, I mean, if it was, then, um, I mean, I, I, whatever. But I don't think Steven Spielberg had much to do with this film other than producing it, really. Yeah. Um, I think if he had directed it, uh, we might have ended up with a different film, maybe a slightly better film. But uh, and certainly they would have maybe given that woman a bit more of a character. But she was literally just, "I'm so overly British. I've obviously come straight out of Rada, and I speak very, very, very received a pronunciation. And I am going to be looking after you for your duration of your time here." At Jurassic World. I have been brought up on a diet of crumpets and caviar. Yes, exactly. And plenty of tea. In fact, if you cut me, I bleed tea. You know, <laughs> it was it was that kind of uh, Britishness. And I remember turning uh, to my missus uh, in the cinema and I, I whispered, I bet she's going to die. Like, this is, this is a point yeah. that we'll build on slightly more. But the, uh, with, with the first Jurassic Park, I mean, there was no kind of sense, really, of who was going to meet their fate uh, over the space of the film, in the sense that it could have been anybody. Anybody could have, ha- you know, been chomped up by the dinosaurs. But there was no kind, you know, they weren't asking for it. Yeah, they and couldn't it, go blood heavy with it because, you know, let's face it, it was they were building this up to be kind of like a family film. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, not everyone was going to get like massively butchered or anything like that. But no, uh, not at all. Yeah. But in 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 that respect you you know it it was sort of like it was neither definite or not there weren't any characters where you thought okay they're gonna die it was like anyone could die once the dinosaurs get free but you weren't sure and as i said the point is that nobody seemed to be sort of uh upsetting karma whereas in this film like the majority of the characters who came along who eventually did meet their fate in the film um it was literally like they it was you know the more of an asshole or the more uh unhumanistic you act the more likely that you're going to get killed because the mm. the characters aren't likable in any way so when they do get chomped up by the dinosaurs you're not sort of like, oh no, you know. I, I think they're trying to. This is the thing. I think there seems to be kind of this sick way of trying to build up kind of like this uh, feeling that you want to see people die. And yeah. uh, that that was, uh, you know, when they built up that you know, how annoying she was, and uh, I was sort of kind of like, you know, she wasn't actually in my conscience most of the time when I was watching the film. Obviously, my focus was focused on, uh, you know, this uh, big massive, you know, dinosaur that they created, which we'll get onto in a minute. Yeah. But um, I mean, to me, it feels like they're trying to create. There seems to be now this feeling within modern movies that they're trying to create characters that you just want to see die, yeah. which is kind of heartless in a way because you don't want to see anybody die really. I mean, no, you want, of you want to, if, if anything, if you want to see someone die, you want to see it 
being an emotional aspect. I mean, I remember when uh, Brad Bird was talking about The Incredibles, uh, and uh, when he said he was going to bring in uh, a character who would be the Elastigirl's pilot, and would, like, fly her into missions and things like that, and he was going to be a prominent character in that. And he would eventually die in the film, and uh, it would... uh, uh, people, he would get people get emotionally involved with it, but unfortunately, in order to cut time, they had to cut him completely out of the sh- out of the uh, out of the movie, and you only ever hear him over the phone. And eventually, I'm assuming they did didn't kill him at the end of the day. No. But uh, I mean that you know that's why I sympathise more with uh, Brad Bird's idea of a a character that needs to die for heroic reasons or for emotional reasons rather than, you know, it's like, I want to see this person die because this guy's a jerk. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, if... if um, Yeah, exactly. If when characters die and you are emotionally involved with them uh, on some level, uh, then, yeah, it's going to shock you. It's going to maybe depress you. But if anything, it just adds to the... The, the sort of grandiosity of the story because if a story isn't making you feel anything then it's not doing its job whether it's making you feel angry happy sad or whatever i mean i think just to sort of um pull the game of thrones chain for a second uh, i think that's one of the successes of the series in the sense that uh with those characters you get very invested in the characters because obviously they, they can be built up over the space of a long series you know sadly the the jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World people don't have, you know, four series to sort of build a relationship with the characters before then killing them. But the point is that they kill off characters who, in a movie, you know, would survive through fire, uh, you know, ice, lightning, everything. They would come out the other side completely unscathed, you know, maybe with a few cuts or bruises, but they would survive. Whereas in that world, um, nobody's safe. Um, even the people that you as the audience love. And I think that you can sit in a film like Jurassic World. I mean, I sat there knowing that those characters, the kids, uh, the character played by Chris Pratt, um, uh, Claire, what's her name? I knew that they weren't going to die. I knew that they were going to make it through to the end. So there's no sort of feeling of uncertainty. You know, you're sort of a bit relaxed in that respect. Um, But... Yeah. So yeah. So so to sort of um, finish on that point, you you knew that when certain characters came onto screen, you knew that they weren't going to make it to the end. But you actually yeah. didn't care because most of them were being arseholes. Which yeah, or- I know like, that 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 made that made me feel a bit sick, really, because it's like you know you uh, when when I saw you know that giant um, whatever it was that uh, came out of the water and just kind of ate that you know that woman and ate that. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I kind of yeah. felt you know yeah, but no. It's like it was just a really horrible kind of like yeah, I didn't want to see that person die, but. Uh, why yeah, do well, I feel I mean, like I wanted she, to? Like, kinda, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is a sort of a, a, a spoiler. Well, I suppose most of what we've been saying has been spoilers, but particularly yeah. with this one. Um, yeah, she gets attacked by the uh, the flying gremlins <laughs> that get released. And fly, my of, pretties, fly! Exactly, yeah. They were, they were, you know, a bit of fur away from being the flying monkeys. And, uh, you know, and they started attacking the people. She gets scooped up. You know, not only does she get scooped up and sort of pecked at by the flying dinosaurs she then gets dropped into uh the tank where they have the giant uh sea dinosaur which was obviously making reference to things like sea world um which i'm sort of dead dead against things like sea world but that's another topic yeah but um 
but yeah, and then she falls into the tank. Just when you think, oh, well, we know what's going to happen now. Then along comes, um, you know, Tweety Pie again, starts pecking at her in the water. So she's getting her ass kicked twice. And then next minute, whoom, up comes the big thing, eats her and the flying dinosaur. And I, that, I mean, I did think at that point, I thought, oh, that's 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 a bit much like that yeah i thought that was what i think i think yeah with characters like that i think it's way too far but i think we're getting a bit too bogged down into uh into one thing i think obviously there's a bit more movie than uh, you know that that one woman but yeah uh, um yeah so we had um i mean i'm trying to think where we should go next i mean there's so much to talk about here i mean yeah should we talk about chris pratt and uh him playing owen grady i mean uh i think yeah. yeah. To me, I, you know, I wouldn't say it was the best thing, but I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it. So uh, I mean, I liked it how he like you know you could see that he was like trying to establish this well uh, yeah establish this relationship with like all these velociraptors and you know that's a that's a pretty cool concept in itself. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the uh, in terms of something for his character to do, you know, I, I thought okay, that's 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 fair enough. Um, the only the only gripe I have really is. Um, because obviously there are no dinosaurs left. I mean, there are creatures around today that uh, are older than the dinosaurs and have managed to survive, like the sort of you know the jellyfish and the sharks and you know alligators, crocodiles, certain reptiles that have been around since the age of the dinosaurs. Um, but the, you know, dinosaurs at the end of the day were still reptiles, and um, even big reptiles. Uh, don't have the largest of brains you know even the, the reptiles that we have today have got pretty small brains yeah but these uh, are genetically modified dinosaurs keep in mind so uh, uh, that's, well that, again this that is, was the yeah this this is the sort of the po- the uh, artistic license but as far as we know the raptors that have been bred um haven't uh been genetically modified again we'll get on to the gm dino <laughs> uh in this sort of review um but yeah, so I wasn't too sure about the idea of the raptors being so easy to sort of tame like that. I mean, I know that um, in like Australia Zoo, when Steve Irwin was uh, still with us, uh, you know, he would do shows with the, the crocodiles and the alligators. But it wasn't so much that he tamed them. It was just that he was very good at reading them. Uh, he'd been around them all his life. So he knew, uh, he almost knew what they were going to do before they did it, which is how he managed to sort of uh not get eaten by the crocodiles but so i think in that respect it was interesting that they have a character because i think by this point they've established that dinosaurs have been around for 20 years in this sort of alternative universe yeah on the point where they'd started creating them in jurassic park the first film so the idea is that they've been around for this length of time so there would naturally be people who if they've spent enough time around them can start to pick up on sort of micro signals and read their behavior and stuff i think my only thing was the idea of uh taming them and training them like that i i don't know i was kind of a bit like mm, well would that happen but then i suppose we'd never know that anyway because there are no velociraptors around today yeah. but uh, I, I, was, I was under the impression that they'd like you know genetically modify them to like take orders so it's like they must have done something in the in that regard and also they um they i mean also we'll get to the uh, the, the the big thing in the moment but uh, i mean obviously they, they do create 
uh, a good. I mean, they do they do put in the basics for you know character conflict in regards to uh, Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Bryce Howard, uh, who played Claire De- Deering. You know, they did, they did, so basically you saw someone from a business standpoint, and you saw someone from like someone who was like on the ground and actually you know knew knew what you know the, this this product well not what this product was, but you know the so one saw it as a product and one saw them as like uh, you know animals or like yeah. you know living things. Mm. And there was obviously that conflict between things, and obviously that's that's a that's a conflict that you can relate to in real life. There are those people who see you know people as numbers, and there's those people who see people as people. And yeah. so that was a that was a, I would say that was a thumbs up for this uh, for the, for that for that particular point because it did go on that on 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 that standpoint. But whether it did it well or not, eh, I'm I'm not too sure about. No, that. well, their whole first conversation when she turns up and he's sort of talking to her, I thought that the script there was. The, the, the dialogue just sucked so bad. I mean, as a, I couldn't as remember a, anything a, memorable from it. He's like, no, you know, it was no, just, like, all I knew is that there was a there was a somewhat relationship conf- slash conflict there, and that's all I can gather from it. I can't, I can't. Re- if you ask me to pull a quote from any of their dialogue with one another, I couldn't tell you. The only thing I can remember was that uh, that parody they did of the first one where she like you know pulls up like her uh, top and everything, ties it all up and everything, and that. Yeah, and, uh, how, and you know, how... Chris Pratt is just sitting there saying, "What's that supposed to mean?" It's like that's the yeah. only bit I can remember from there. Yeah, from there. it was in probably in quite bad taste. That I mean, again, we'll cover that point. But as an overall kind of uh, umbrella statement for the film. Uh, the script was really bad, um, mm. and the dialogue was therefore pretty bad. And in that respect, there was nothing. You know, there was no sort of thing that you could use as a, a memorable quote. Um, you know, there was nothing provocative in any way. I mean, I think back to the first Jurassic Park. You know, if you were going to sort of use a catchphrase, you'd think of things like uh, "No expense spared," or "We've spared no expense." Uh, Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, you didn't say the magic word. Yeah. Oh, clever girl. You know, things like that. You know, you can remember all these things. Now, maybe that's because we've watched the film a lot of times and it's part of our childhood and you can remember things from your childhood. But by the by, like the conversation that they have at the dinner table in the first Jurassic Park where they're talking about, you know, the sort of the moral implications and the ethics and stuff, I think is just some brilliant, brilliant, fantastic writing and the dialogue is just fantastic it really makes you think whereas with this one it was just like spoon feeding you warm vomit <laughs> you know it, it, it was it was like uh, it, it, this is the thing that with with modern movies as well compared to movies that we watched during the 90s and that is that uh, the 90s films wanted to kind of thought provoke you and make you ask questions about stuff whether as now you know okay not all 90s films got that right but uh, i mean there was other i mean films today they seem to have this kind of like uh, they don't seem to want to engage too much with their audience they seem to want to kind of take this uh, safety safety first approach now yeah. whether that's because you know if they t- if they take a risk and you know a critic eats them alive or something like that obviously we've seen that so many times on rottentomatoes.com mm. but um i mean th- th- there seems to be this they seem to have built this wall amongst themselves and the audience Audience. And I think, I mean, the, and there seems to be this uh, feeling that they don't want to seem to grasp people with dialogue. Uh, yeah, I, I, that that seems to exist in this film. They seem you, you kind of just couldn't break yourself between what was going on on the screen and what was going on where you were sitting. Yeah, in regards to engaging I, with the characters. And I think that we've um, we've uh, spoken about this before when we've said about how um, cartoons, for instance, seem to be dumbed down. You know, it used to be that cartoons would sort of throw things out there that 
you know, were sort of important things for kids to know. Um, it dealt with interesting stuff. Um, I mean, only recently this week I was reading uh, an article about uh, one of our favourites, Hey Arnold, and it was saying about how the episode with the pigeon man um, was sort of symbolic of the idea of a man who had committed suicide, you know, from depression. Mm. And, um, you know, and you sort of think about that. You look at the episode and you go, oh, well, it's just a, a man with pigeons who flies off. But then when you actually stop and think about it, you think, oh, actually, yeah, that is interesting. Whether it's true or not, it's made you think. Whereas a lot of cartoons nowadays, if we said, just tend to be bar- uh, burping, farting, and, you know, really pointless stuff that is, you know, effectively a waste of time and energy just to have watched them and I think that it's probably the same with cinema cinema seems to be dumbing down a lot so in the case of this film it's not making anybody think about anything it's just showing you stuff happening and you just sit there with your popcorn and your coca-cola and you just literally eat that up and eat up what is being fed to you. There was nothing in that film that made me walk away and think, mm, okay, yeah, that's something to think about. Even with the idea of, you know, the dinosaur park, you know, there was nothing that made me think more on the subject of the ethics of, you know, genetic modifications or anything like that. It was just, let's have a lot of things happening with dinosaurs and yeah. and blood and guts, you know. So, um, shall, so, yeah, we, so shall we get to the kids? Yeah, let's get to them, shall we? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it was really weird because... Have you seen a San Andreas by any chance? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, okay, then, because there's a kid in there called Art, uh, Art Parkinson, and uh, he he was in Game of Thrones. He was Rickton Stark in uh, between seasons one and three. And um, he, to me, was was pretty... He's one of the memorable characters of San Andreas, you know, besides The Rock. And uh, it was uh, it was so... It was, it was quite funny, funny he's saying, you know, he's got his, like, book and, like... Uh, I won't try and spoil it for you too much, but he's got this, like, this book of, like, all the stuff written in for, like, San Andreas. And, like, we, he, like he's, he keeps referring to it. We can go this way, we can go that way. I've thought about everything. It's like, you know, because he was going to go, like, on this, uh, you know, trip around San Andreas to, uh, you know, like, all, visit all these tourist things and things like that. And he wanted to map out every single occasion. And I don't I don't know why, but I would rather have seen him in uh, that in Jurassic World than uh, you know Ty Sk- Sims- Simkins. And no disrespect to uh, to Ty, because obviously you know these are kids who only just started off their movie careers. But I would rather I don't know. It feels like a bit of a mix up. I think Ty, who played Gray Mitchell, the younger kid, should have been in San Andreas, and R. Parkinson should have been in uh, Jurassic World. Right. Okay. I just, you know, if you see, if you see San Andreas, then obviously you'll understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Really. It just feel like a cast mismatch, you know, with uh, with like, yeah, he could like pull the emotional bits out of it. But in regards to like, uh, you know, being a kid in Jurassic World and uh, you know being somewhat memorable, I don't know really. I think uh, maybe maybe somewhere down the line, if we rewatch it again, maybe he might leave more of an impact. But uh, for me, it just the only time I can remember him is just basically crying. Yeah, and, you know he didn't. He didn't leave that much of a really that much to to enjoy as a performance, really. Rather than you know saying this is not a good idea. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I I think as well with the kids, there was no sort of. Um, I don't know. Like I, I was saying, the the first film where you had the scene in the kitchen with the raptors coming around, you know, you were just, you know, I think you held your breath for the whole time that that was playing out because the kids were terrified and, you know, and it was very claustrophobic. Whereas with this, like, there's the, <laughs> there's the sequence where the uh, Indominus Rex 
the genetically the genetically uh, modified giant raptor d- with yeah exactly s- the s- raptor tyrannosaurus crossbreed uh, and it's chasing them and you know and they have to jump off that uh, edge into you know down a waterfall into a pool there's this huge lumbering dinosaur is coming towards them and if you get if you watch that scene they're not afraid you know they're stood there going we need to do this as this thing is stampeding towards them ready to sort of swallow them whole and i tell you what there's I a lot think- of uh, there's a lot of, i've got to reference this uh, there's a lot of uh, fans from the uh, who are part of the hey arnold save the jungle movie campaign who are going to be looking at waterfall jump and uh, saying you know craig bartlett should sue because uh, there's a scene there that uh, which involves like arnold and helga jumping off a waterfall so uh, but right. not to say it's an original thing you know jumping off a waterfall and obviously we've seen it you know maybe a number of times in films you know we saw it in avatar and we saw it in uh where else? Uh, jumping off waterfalls. Um, did we see it in Indiana? Oh, yeah, Indiana Jones was a. Uh, he fell off a waterfall and was caught by a plane, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So it's not, it's not an original concept, but uh, yeah, I think there's there's some people who think you know were, were we referenced in this? So like mm-hmm. so uh, that'd be quite fun if that was the case. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. Uh, you know, I said Brad Bird. Uh, I was talking about him before. Uh, I've just noticed uh, what a massive coincidence. He is actually got, uh, uncredited as a cameo as the park run- monorail announcer. Oh right, okay. So the, yeah, the scenes where the the monorail's running and they're sat in there crying about the divorce and stuff like that. Yeah, unbelievable. I didn't realise that. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a fun thing. So. Uh, yeah, it would have been more fun if Tomorrowland had been bit better, bit better, better. But uh, you know, uh, hey, we, you know, we got the Incredibles too coming up, so uh, you know, still a chance for Brad Bird to uh, you know pick up. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, let's go talk about the Indominus Rex, this uh, genetically modified, yes, uh, scary. Um, thing. To be honest yeah. with you, I think uh, genetically modified McDonald's French fries are probably more scary than uh, <laughs> than, than, than yeah. it's a more scary concept than this thing. But uh, so yeah. pretty much, they said, okay, well, we genetically modified it, we put in some like. Uh, cuttlefish or whatever and we throw in majority of it is raptor and uh, uh, what else do they stick in chameleon I think they stuck in it as well maybe uh, they found some like uh, you know uh, burnt out resonance of the T-1000 and uh, uh, maybe they uh, drew a bit of blood from Rambo when he was in prison or something like that I don't yeah. know whether yeah you <laughs> could I tell you what that, that's that scene where they're hunting him around in the jungle that reminded me of Rambo uh, yeah, first yeah. blood and uh, i just thought and you know like he's he's there hiding in the uh in, in the um in, in the jungle and uh you know it, it just reminded me so much of like sylvester stallone it's like uh, it's just too bad he couldn't like provide the voice for him or something like that and that'll be that'd be yeah. something pretty awesome but well, uh and laughable but i'll i'll tell you um the <laughs> one of the things that i thought was ridiculous was when you've got Claire saying that, uh, saying something along the lines of, um, well, you know, um, what was it now? It says a bit like, oh, well, there's, there's just not enough dinosaurs, so we've had to make some more. Now, when I heard that, I laughed out loud because um, I have on my, uh, on my mobile phone uh, Jurassic Park uh, Builder, the game. Yeah. And I've had it for a few years now. And I can't tell you the number of dinosaurs that I have in my park. There were so many of them, and that's just in the land section. Can you quite, can you got, can you like, do like an overall count or? Uh... Um, well, there's definitely. I think if if I remember rightly, there's probably thirty plus, and that's not even all the dinosaurs that um, the archaeologists have. Uh, discovered in reality. Yeah, but if you um, think about it, if you, so, like, you've got thirty plus uh, dinosaurs in your in your park at the moment. 
Yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and, and how many of them would you say would be dinosaurs that everyone would be, you know, dying to buy a ticket to see? Uh, well, I would certainly say that uh, in the underwater section, uh, you know, I've got uh, I've got a giant squid. I've got okay. several of the uh, plesiosaur species, some of the crustacean species. Uh, there's even a sort of ice age section with uh, some of the sort of early mammals that are in there. So technically not dinosaurs, but still beasts that have gone extinct. Okay. Now, well, let me, do, let me do a calculation just for a second. So what we're averaging that this park has been, Jurassic World has been open for 20 years. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So 20, let's say, and I would say that a attraction, I would say, stays fresh. And I mean, I'm going by, uh, I'd say I go by uh, someone, not, not Roger Waters standard, where basically the wall will last forever, but uh, maybe some other like standard where, you know, let's say a boy, boy band or like some manufactured pop group. So let's say six months. Yeah. So, uh, so if we divide 20 by six months, uh, I believe I'm doing this right. Yeah, 20 divided by six. Yeah, I would say you probably need about 3.3 dinosaurs uh, on average for every six months to uh, to uh, keep people going and advertise them as your main main attractions. Well, and uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, again, I'm no marketing expert, so uh, I'm just doing this as a, as a thing. But I'm trying to find, I'm trying to understand the logic behind it. Yeah, so they, well, so if you think about it, if they've been launching these dinosaurs year upon year, and then they finally reach the end, and yeah. uh, then they say, okay, well, we're just going to have just manufacture whatever. Which I, you know, again, I do, I do, I do agree with you. I do think it's bo- bo- bollocks. I mean, they must have discovered other bre- breeds of dinosaurs by then. Yeah. Uh, in order to uh, you know to do that, because what are they doing at the moment? They're uh, discovering like uh, mosquitoes locked up in amber in order yeah. to uh, get these dinosaurs. So how much amber in the world must there be yeah, with yeah. mosquitoes well, in it? Yeah, but I mean, my my point is that I think they said something like they've only got I can't remember what it was like. They said we've got seventeen or nineteen species, and we've run out. And I just think, well, you've got one type of oceanic dinosaur one type of oceanic dinosaur and we know like how many different species of dinosaur uh, existed in the ocean so that's that's a lot of crap for a start you've got two kinds of flying dinosaurs so again there's so many more there that you can uh, you know that that exist um, and just the, the the sheer number of of the land dinosaurs that they've not got, you know, like including the the, the the tiny little ones from the Lost World, which I thought were pretty funny. The idea that yeah. a man gets killed by these tiny things that are about the size of a chicken, but it was just that kind of thing of going, oh well, we've run out of dinosaurs, so we've had to make another one. That yeah. sounds to me more like an excuse, really. Yeah, I you totally know? get your point, but uh, I mean, if you think about it, you know, uh, some like some of the air dinosaurs, maybe maybe sea dinosaurs. I mean, the argument against sea dinosaurs is that we're Jurassic World and not Sea World. And uh, yeah. then the other argument could be is that we're not an air show. So people want to see, like, big, massive, you know, T-Rex-style, like, monst- you know, Godzilla-type monstrosities, which obviously the Sodominus Rex wasn't. And yeah. uh, so that probably might have been the... That would have been my argument if I was running Jurassic World to say, well, it, people well, want, people want it, to see monsters. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty lame argument, really. I mean, it's kind of like... It is, just, but, you know... You know I, and if that, you know, obviously if that is their case, like, oh, well, we better just start. Because cre- then you may as well just create Monster Park on the other side of the island and just start crossbreeding all these different things and make literally making monsters. Because, King Kong. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why not just create a genetically giant um, ape and 
have King Kong, yeah, and then create a genetically gigantic bloody uh, <laughs> alligator and create the thing from Peter Pan. You know, it's just like um, it just seemed a bit loopy. So this was the reason why they'd gone and bred these new dinosaurs. Um, although, lest we forget that one of the earlier drafts for the script uh, was the idea that um, they were creating uh, an army of half dinosaur, half humans. But obviously that script got canned because it seemed a little bit too far outside the box. Yeah. But there you go. But um, so, yeah, so I thought that was pretty ridiculous. And then there was something else that was pointed out to me by my friend John, who mentioned uh, about something that she says that doesn't make sense from a script or character point of view. When she says about um, something about uh, people now look at... Uh, triceratops in the same way that they look at an elephant or a rhino or something that she said which didn't make any sense from the character's point of view because there was the the, the point is that if you were a character that had been around these dinosaurs for you know 20 years or whatever then you wouldn't you, you wouldn't say that <laughs> you wouldn't say oh the way people look at these things it's as if you know it's as if they're just normal now because it's it's the same as like somebody going oh i've looked in the mirror today and i've gotten fat if you're in the presence of something every day of every week every month every year then you don't notice these things like that it was literally a line that was put in there for the audience um because obviously the audience has had a pretty hefty gap between this Jurassic Park and the last one. And it was kind of just put in there to then drive the plot forward to say, so what we've done is we've created a new dinosaur. Um, so I thought that was a bit a bit weird. I didn't really like her character and I didn't really like her role within the film um, in the sense that you know, the, the her nephews turn up, and from the moment she's there, it's kind of like, oh well, you know, my flesh and blood are here, who I've not seen in a while, but you know, I've got business to do, mm-hmm. and um, she just didn't seem to be all that uh, likable, if no. uh, if I'm honest, she didn't seem to. Um, well, I think the idea that they were going with was is that uh, basically she's kept, uh, she's like so trapped in her corporate world, if you will, and that uh, you know she hasn't really appreciated like you know like family values or anything like that. And I think that's the, uh, I think that's what they were going for. And the fact that Eve, she apparently had a relationship with Owen and had basically cut that off because she was so busy. I think yeah. I think that was the angle they were going at. I just don't think you again. You know, we said the script was bad, and obviously there was no hope for this character to uh, yeah. be portrayed that well in in that instance but you can only understand what they were doing but the, it wasn't executed properly and i totally agree with that so yeah i mean if they wanted to have done that they should have developed it more because there was just n- there was nothing about it that really kind of you know made me empathize or sympathize with her uh, yeah. on any kind of level really um there's only one but, bit which we're going to reference at the very end of the review but uh, obviously we'll, we'll talk about that you know, later, yeah. later on so, but, so, uh, so then we had i mean the, the, one of the one of the few characters that i did like but again i just sort of thought well i don't really get what you're you know what what's going on is um the the guy who owned the park the uh, the asian guy i can't remember the actor's name uh, the one from um life of pi 
Um, uh, I'm not too sure. Well, the the scientist guy, or uh... Uh, no, the he, he's the one who now owns. The oh, park. the owner of the park. I, yeah, one flies the helicopter. I'll just. Um, I'll oh just yeah, go... if Frank Carney was called. Uh, if Frank Carney, yeah. Yeah. So, um, now he's. Um, oh, he played a guy called Mizrani. Yeah, Mizrani. Um, so he had uh probably one of the only scenes in the film that i thought had any kind of you know slight depth to it which is where he's uh, having a conversation with dr henry wu who is the only character uh and as well the only actor who has come back from one of the previous films he was the scientist in the first jurassic park who when they go to the labs to see the egg uh hatching uh he's the one there who sort of is saying about how all the dinosaurs are female so they can't breed and it's a velociraptor and he's saying oh you bred raptors and he's like yeah yeah what's the problem um so he comes back to reprise his role as the sort of the scientist working in the labs uh turns out that he's got a sort of a a dark agenda going on which uh leaves the door open for uh Obviously, sequels. I actually just actually I was going to go on that uh, later on. Uh, I believe you know when he was obviously escaping in that uh, helicopter. I believe he's going to he is going to come back in. Uh, I think they are going to uh, gun for a sequel. So that is. I mean, obviously, it's, it's currently written in because at the moment, uh, Jurassic World has made a billion dollars in yeah. box office sales. So originally, so naturally, there's going to be a sequel. Yeah, I mean, now despite being... the fact it was utter dog shit, of course it's made money. You know, they were saying this about a lot of films uh, and games and things that have been brought out. Is well, that again, I mean, be... I, I mean, obviously, we'll, uh, I mean, well, well, I want to talk about a few other things before we get into the like the verdict. But uh, I mean, with that, obviously, I think what they might go in with the. I tell you what, I might maybe a bit early to talk about you know what the sequel is going to be. But uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's what they're gonna. That's what they're gonna. Uh, they're gonna. Get, Obviously, they're going to go with a sequel. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's written in stone now. He's obviously flown off. What he's going to go with, we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah. obviously, but- we're halfway through the review. So uh, there's one thing I do actually want to do before we keep going. And that is I want to give a shout out to Shannon Bannon, who uh, gave us, uh, who gave me the permission to use one of her artwork. And that is, uh, it's Helga Pataki and Phoebe wearing, uh, sorry, uh, riding on a velociraptor. So yeah. well, we're going to make that the image of the show. So uh, she said we could do that. So uh, I want to say thanks oh, to her for uh, See, that for was doing one thing that. That, that I'm surprised they didn't do with this film is uh, obviously we've got the scene where Chris Pratt is riding through the jungle on a motorbike, which just seems completely impractical to ride through, <laughs> you know, dense jungle on a motorbike. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, and I was surprised that they didn't have a shot somewhere of him riding on the back of a velociraptor like so Mario. I'll, I'll put Yoshi. an arrow to it uh, and say, and uh, put, put like a caption saying what they should have done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah. sorry, just to get back to the point I was originally making, yeah, was sorry. That, uh, in the scene where Mizrani and Doctor Wu uh, are having a pretty good, um, they're having a good conversation where uh, Mizrani is sort of saying about, you know, what the hell have you done? You've you've created this monster and and then Doctor Wu's saying, Oh well we've put uh, we put some cuttlefish uh, in the Indominus Rex so that it could change colour. Uh, we've put bits of uh, frog in there again, or something like that, or mouse, or s- something. I can't remember. Just this weird concoction of animals, and said, "Yeah, and we made a monster. This is what you asked for. This is what we've done." And there was the, you know, there was a kind of uh, a sort of realistic level of um, of of sort of depth and real conversation going on there but it was just for that split second now there was one point where 
uh, Mizrani is getting into the helicopter. Yeah. And uh, I think he's going after the Indominus Rex. And I think I touched upon this briefly in the show last week, just about how bloody silly it was, was that it comes to the shot where he, he the, you know, they're saying we need to fly it, we need to get the helicopter out there, and he says, uh, I'll fly it, because they establish in the beginning of the film in a pretty sort of shoehorned way that he can fly helicopters. And uh, one of the women comes out and says, um, um, why can't we get someone else to do it? And then the camera tracks in for a dramatic shot as he turns to her. You're expecting it to be some brilliant soundbite, you know, something really powerful that he's going to say. He turns to the camera and says, there is no one else to fly. And then just gets in the helicopter. You know, and it's just the most pointless. Re- like the way that they shot it, the way they framed it, I thought, is he going to say something really provocative? But he doesn't. He literally turns around and says, "Well, there's nobody else to fly the helicopter," and then gets in and goes. he could. They could have just had that. As she, they're walking together. She says, "Why can't you get anyone else to fly?" He could just say to her, "Because there is nobody else." Then get in the helicopter. Not go to the effort of that shot to make it look as if wow that's wow we're going to be re- yeah we're going to be thrown back in our seats from this it was so ridiculous that i actually laughed out loud yeah i was i, I was going to say there were so many other um uh, lines they could have gone with and uh, you know it was just uh, i mean say so sorry what so what before he you said before he said you know there's no one else to fly what was the line again uh she says can't anyone else you know why can't anybody else fly it um, and then he says because there is no one else. There is something no like else. He could have said anything at that point. Yeah, you know, it's like could have been anything said, else would have been good. Like uh, power armor is for pussies. Well, maybe not that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah. oh, I don't know. It's like. Uh, oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Uh, what else could he say? I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, We've got to have money. Well. <laughs> Exactly. Any of those things could have be, would have would have been better than corporations are people, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like uh... that's racist. Outrageous. What do you say? You say I can't fly. <laughs> I can't fly the helicopter because because I'm an Asian man or something. It should be it should be Rambo flying the helicopter. Yeah. No, because I'm the because there's nobody else to fly it, so I'm flying the helicopter. What do you want from me? You know, it's just anything else apart from stating the obvious. And again, that was just a reflection of the the, the, the bad scripting. Um, but it was pretty hilarious uh, in the cinema when I. Saw that. Yeah, um, it was just it was it so, wasn't thought out whatsoever. It could have been yeah. it could have been a great line, but it just wasn't. And uh, yeah, was maybe just, the director sort of said, you know, uh, Ifran, how about you just improvise this line? And again, maybe he couldn't think of anything to improvise, and just literally thought, I'm just going to state what's happening so that nobody's left in any doubt as to why I'm the one flying the helicopter. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, and then and then I'm trying to think of other other characters who had these things like um, um i tell you what one thing i really do want to focus on is this uh is the vic hoskins who was the head of security operations at ingen you know the big fat guy oh uh, uh, yeah D'Onofrio. and uh you know it's like he wasn't he so stereotypical 
as a yeah. villain. You looked at him and you thought he's the villain. It's like you yeah, know, he's exactly. like he, he didn't even open his mouth yet, and he's like he's the villain. Yeah, and he's like uh, you know he's definitely going to get his face ripped off by one of these dinosaurs because yeah. Of, yeah, just the way he was behaving. It was like he was the typical you know mili- American military. Hey, if we can turn this into a weapon, then let's do it. And I don't care about what happens. It's as long as we get the weapons, then that's cool. You know, and uh, obviously he did end up getting it. Uh, which we all knew was going to happen from the moment, like you say, he walked onto screen. You were like, "Well, this guy's for the for the can." Um, yeah. But one of his lines where he's talking to the dinosaurs and he's saying, "Hey, hey, come on, we're on the same side." It's like, really, really, really? you you're gonna you're gonna do that? You're gonna say that to a dinosaur? Wouldn't even in reality, if you were faced with you know you were being stared down by a lion or a bear or something, would you say to it? Hey, come on! We're on the same side here. You know, we all, you know, we're all trying to survive. You know, let's let's not let's not start getting into who did what to who. Let's just forget about <laughs> it. But I mean, he winding who? those dinosaurs up. Every scene that he was with them, he just seemed to wind them up and wind them up. And um, <laughs> and the the other thing as well was um, the uh, trying to think what it was now the the dinosaur cameras. Um, because obviously the velociraptors, they've obviously been training them for something, and then there's scenes where he's looking at it, and it's almost like you see through the eyes of the dinosaur on the screen. Yeah. Now, I think it was because they were wearing those sort of head-mounted cameras, but the way the shot was done, it looked as if the cameras were in their eyes or something like that, you know, like like the tyrant from bloody... Uh, oh, not, not the tyrant, sorry, like uh, the nemesis from yeah. Resident Evil, you know. So, like, uh, whatchamacallit, like, uh, like, you know, the, like the head cameras in the uh, uh, the Predators, you know, yeah, where, like exactly. that, that type of like thing. So. Yeah, and, and that was... That that was just like oh come on like so it's like hey they they tend to look at things that they want to kill you know it's like literally yeah. I think the character had something like that that says they they look at things that they want to kill so I so they're looking at him so you're like well they're definitely going to kill him at some point then mm. um, so so yeah so that character yeah he just he just there was again there was no sort of there was no I mean I know he was sort of being angled to be the villain but like even. The villains from the, and I don't even think there were really any villains in the first Jurassic Park. You had the uh, the fat fella Dennis, the one who um, who stole the oh, Dennis DNA Nedry. sample. Yeah, 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 he stole stole the DNA samples and then turned off the fences so that he could get off the island. And but he wasn't doing it because he was an asshole. He was doing it because he had financial issues. Financial issues, which actually. Uh, uh, John, what, what's his name? John Hammond uh, just sort of said, "Well, fuck you! I don't care about your problems." <laughs> you know, yeah. despite the so fact there was that, genuine, uh, there was genuine, genuine motivation behind his behind his actions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's in debt. Someone's offered him all this money. His boss clearly doesn't give a toss. No. Um, I think his boss is clearly losing the plot because his accent keeps changing throughout the, <laughs> throughout the space of the film. No one yeah. says, "Hang on, I think we should have Hammond checked out because a minute ago he was speaking Scottish." <laughs> you know, do we trust yeah. him to run a park full of dinosaurs? I don't think so. But um, but yeah, but his he he wasn't he wasn't necessarily a villain character. He was like you say he was motivated, whereas. Uh, Hoskins just seemed to be reveling in the fact that you know he was a military man who was getting the weapons of destruction, you know, and he didn't even sort of 
have any kind of care for the dinosaurs and so on that respect you would have thought that if you you know if you wanted to use them as weapons he might try and sort of gain their trust it would have been much more interesting if he had been you know another handler you know in the sense that he he also knew these dinosaurs inside and out like chris pratt did therefore he understands them better he can see the benefits of the being used as a weapon he's not doing it for being an arsehole he just thinks that actually yeah why not? It could, you know, we could use them in wars. It could potentially save lives. It was just literally like, we're going to use them as a weapon to kill people and I'm going to get shitloads of money. Yeah. You know, it was a case of, we've got to have money. We've you know, got so. to have money. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so there you go. So, uh, yeah, not, again, not not the best of uh, characterizations there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's a good actor, Vincent D'Onofrio. He's a really good actor. He's, he's, he's very good in terms of... Um, you know what I was talking about yeah, uh, last week about um, uh, directors not having the, you know, basically it's a 50-50, uh, you obviously have 50% of the actor and 50% of the director, and yes. you obviously see in this situation you have 50% of the actor but less of the director. Yeah, in this one. Yeah. So you had uh, you had him trying his best to be, you know, kind of convincing to be evil. But I think he was just he was hamming it up a bit too much, and I think he uh, couldn't um, he couldn't get away from the idea of you know what to expect in a kids film to you know compared to what's expected in this in this particular scenario. I think yeah. that's I think that's the problem he ran into. Yeah. In, in this performance, yeah, and, and, and having watched him in the Daredevil series as um, Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, like he was fantastic in that role. He he played. This villain again, you know, it's it's difficult for actors in film, although it shouldn't be, because it didn't used to be. It's only been in the recent years. Again, I think as this sort of dumbing down has happened, it's difficult for actors in films to sort of get these deep character um, relations established with the audience um, and to sort of add the depth that they need. It's easier in a series when you've got time to get to know characters and you can sort of peel the layers back like an onion whereas in film you have to be sort of shit off shit off a shovel basically from the moment you come on screen um and again i don't know whether it's the the the, the directors have gotten lazy whether it's the production of it that's gotten lazy i mean it's so hypercharged now like you know, I, it, I I wouldn't imagine that a lot of the sort of the big big Hollywood blockbusters. Um, I'm not too sure because I've never worked on one. But I mean, would you imagine that the actors get you know a good sort of chunk of time to sit down and really develop their characters? Um, you, you know, you, you do get that. You do get that uh, instance that uh, the character that someone has got. I mean, you know, you. Uh, I listen to Andrew Marr. Uh, I watch Andrew Marr on uh, on BBC, and uh, when he has an actor in, and uh, you know that uh, yeah, someone's put in a good performance on a particular particular movie when they're sitting down with Andrew Marr and describing in various amounts of detail what is in what is inscribed in uh, what is that that is expected from uh, portraying that character, and yeah. uh, so you know right away when when you've got an actor who can sit down for ten or twenty minutes or even longer than that i'd say probably half an hour at best that yeah. they can describe in every single scenario how their character is going to behave then uh, that is going to be you know you know it's going to be that i mean obviously arnold schwarzenegger talking about the terminator i mean the terminator isn't really a person it's a machine so obviously yeah. you can get away with uh, uh, not talking too much about it but uh, i mean with uh, characters who play 
people with complexities and yeah. uh, particular particular things that need to be addressed on screen. Uh, yeah. If they can talk about that for about half an hour, then I know someone's done their homework in regards to a, to in regards to this thing. So yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are a lot of actors, particularly American actors. Maybe this is why the Brit actor is becoming more popular. A lot of American actors just tend to play themselves in any role that they're given. You know, mm. like the sort of the ones who were in demand. Like, I mean, I think of like, is it now Seth Rogen? You know, in pretty much every single film, he's just playing himself. And as the years have gone on, he's played himself worse and worse. It's like, <laughs> you know, maybe the first time we've seen you do your, you know, we think, okay, yeah, that's funny in that one film. But when that is literally all you do in every single movie, it's like, okay, so that's all you can do then. So before you even go and see a film, you know what's going to happen. It's predictable before you've even seen it. Yeah. And with the Brit actors, you know, not all of them, not all of them, but there's more of a sort of emphasis on the craft, you know, of, um, um, you know, of actually getting into character of the Stanislavskian technique. And, yeah. um, and I think that it's... Uh, you know, it, there's nothing worse than just seeing characters or seeing actors just playing themselves. It's like there is there is no characterization here. You yeah. are just being you. And I speaking, mean, speaking of characters who play, played themselves, um, were you annoyed somewhat when Jimmy Fallon turned up in the uh, in the you know like let me explain how the ball works and things like that. I mean, it's like, uh, I just thought, I mean, they really did try and play that out for, I mean, I don't know, who know if you know who, I, tell you what, I don't even know if many people in Britain even know who Jimmy Fallon is, let alone... Oh, uh, God, yeah. The, he was, he's now the presenter of The Tonight oh, Show. Oh, The Tonight Show, it? yeah. He, repl he replaced Jay Leno, for those who don't know. And uh, he has been, to be honest with you, from what I've heard from people, he has been struggling a little bit with that, uh, with that, he's not been from. I mean, you barely hear anything from him in regards to uh, being on Jimmy Fallon. You more hear about, uh, you know, John Oliver on last week tonight and uh, various other, yeah. other, other, you know, presenters of uh, late night television rather than himself. And um, you know, so uh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some chilly Jimmy Fallon fans who say, no, no, he's doing all right, yada yada yada. It's like, but I don't know. There are some people who say he's no Jay Leno, which you know is a pretty, mm. pretty damning indictment, really. Where if you look yeah. at the latter half of his uh, Tonight Show. Jay Leno and you know how unfunny he was yeah you know, how unfunny but. he was but uh, I mean that's the thing I mean like uh, I mean I do feel bad for Jimmy Fallon in a way of you know being you know obviously being roasted on the you know uh, for being the Tonight Show host you know he should be this he should be that yada 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 I mean I bet if Seth MacFarlane was given the Tonight Show job I reckon somewhere down the line people are going to get bored of him playing Stewie for like the 1000th time yeah, uh, on yeah. the show and or playing other uh, he does like loads of voices I do give him that which actually makes me wonder you know um, I'm surprised you know why did you know Seth MacFarlane okay he does maybe he's contractually obliged to you know stay on Family Guy for like forever or something like that but uh, why I mean why did no one think you know he may actually make a good uh, talk show host for yeah. a major American network yeah well I suppose so you know um, it's uh, I mean although I would say that um, you know I'm not I'm not really the biggest um, Seth MacFarlane fan in the same way that I'm not really a massive fan of Family Guy. I think I liked Family Guy when it first 
when I first watched it at college. But again, it was that thing of like, okay, so the humor now is very predictable. In fact, that there's not a lot of writing involved in this. It's just you ripping off a lot of stuff. Certainly by the end of it, it yeah. was just it's very... Just, it's just constantly uh, pretty going, you think that's bad? Uh, yeah, yeah, like... exactly. The South Park got it absolutely right when they parodied <laughs> Family Guy. But yeah. um, just on this point, actually... Um, you know, Chris Pratt was very good at playing Chris Pratt in this movie. I think, uh, as the sort of characters go, his character had a little bit more to do uh, yeah. than really many of the others. Um, the one thing that annoyed me when I first went where he was he was portrayed when obviously they were going to have that Claire and Owen were going to have their first uh, encounter. They were drinking a bottle of Coca Cola. Which, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that's what annoyed me about this film. You know, you know, you have films, right? Like, you know, The Lord of the Rings, and you have other ones as well, which, okay, they have, like, uh, subtle, like, uh, corporate references, but this one was, like, it was everywhere. It was, like, uh, you know, uh, you had, like, you know, people getting their coffee from Starbucks, and, you know, obviously you had yeah. Owen drinking Coca-Cola, and uh, obviously with all the bad uh, mobile phone connections around the island, obviously that was provided by three. But, uh, you know, uh, besides yeah. that, yeah. Um, you know... Um, I just hated all the corporate references in it, really. It just kind yeah, of ruined well, it a little bit for me, really. Uh, well, I suppose in many ways that's what the park was meant to be, wasn't it? It was meant to be this huge corporate monster, you know, a monster that was worse than the dinosaurs in many ways. Um, so I guess, but it could have been like they could. They, I mean, like they could have like made things up. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, like you, when was the last time in a Pixar film? You're like, okay, they they've done like you know Barbie and things like that, you know, in, like in the Toy Story films. But you know, like when you saw them like uh, in the original one when they were pulling into a petrol into a gas station, uh, it wasn't like uh, you know like Shell or Exxon Mobil or whatever or uh, uh, what you call it. They actually made it up and called it like I think Dino or something or other along those lines, something like yeah. you know that referred referred to them as like you know the the, the the petrol being made by dino literally being dinosaurs yeah so it was you know they did something really creative with it instead they just you know it's like oh let's just stick in starbucks let's just stick in this let's just stick in that it kind of took away the kind of the fantasy of it which you know which really what they were with jurassic park was what it was really supposed to be about it's supposed to be like a, a park full of dinosaurs which in a way is fantasy yeah absolutely yeah um I think, again, I, I sort of, I can understand it from the corporate monster side of it, but you know that it wasn't there for that. It was there to sort of, you know, have the, the sponsorship almost. I tell you what, for all those corporations' sake, they better hope they're not going for, like, the, uh, the, uh, the, mon- the, the, the bar being the monster of it, because, like, you know, if you're like, uh, oh, well, uh, we were sponsored, all the corporate executives would be saying, oh, what, we've been sponsoring a monster this entire time by yeah. putting our uh, things in this film? It's so like mm. uh, you know, uh, better not tell, maybe not tell that too loud. But uh, yeah, it's just um, that that aspect of it uh, annoyed me a little bit. But thankfully, it wasn't you know too too much. And uh, no. I'd say uh, no. there was one bit that did make me laugh in regards to branding, and that was actually Jurassic Park itself. Because uh, when uh, oh, what's his name, the, uh, the 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 comical nerd that was in it, when uh, he uh, found the uh, when he had the Jurassic Park. Uh, shirt on, and you got like for like 150 bucks on eBay, and yeah. uh, then yeah, like Claire just turned around and saying, "That's in such poor taste," and I'm yeah. just like, "Are you kidding me?" It's like, yeah, yeah. Ima- imagine if somebody um decided to take Auschwitz, okay, and decided <laughs> to make it fully operational, back to the point where you know Jews were coming in trains and were being shoved in uh, gas chambers. Yeah. And uh, someone says, said, oh, yeah, he's like, can I come work there? I've got the original Nazi uniform from back in 1945. And that guy turned around and said, that's in such poor taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, 
you're you're completely uh, yeah you're obviously completely missing the point here then, um, and uh, yeah I just thought that there was a lot of these things where it mentions back to the first park and oh you know how all that went wrong and it's like but yet you've done it again and you've made it even bigger this time you know mm. and like the, just, and and the fact that it, the the security seemed the most laxed thing ever. You know, when you're dealing with these dinosaurs, like the, the lads in the sort of mobile ball thing, you know, the hamster ball, who just decide to go off-road, you know, okay, so that, that that's, you know, no one thought of checking that before they put the dinosaurs in, before they thought, put any know, of these things in. Stupid, you know? yeah, I thought the kids were very stupid in this film, I just thought, you know, you would think that, uh, okay, maybe one of them is like, supposed to be like, uh, oh, you know, like uh, like some kind of like, you know, macho daredevil or something or other, which yeah. he play he, I... <sighs> It's just there were some stereotypes going on in this film, wasn't there? It's like you know you had yeah, the, uh, the yeah the young vulnerable kid, and then you had like the you know the big macho jock and things like that. And I just thought you know yeah why and, and why? What, was the, what was the whole deal with uh, him and um, and his uh, girlfriend? You know who he's who he's with at the beginning of the film, and they're sort of you know oh, I love you, I'll miss you, blah blah blah. Yeah, and then throughout the film. Whenever he sees uh, a sort of, you know, a, a girl who's around his age, uh, he seems to be giving them the eye. Yeah. And then, well, then they never really went back to that. They just sort of had him being, you know, sort of passive, you know, a, a passive flirtive. Um, but then yeah. never Isn't that amazing? you got yeah. a guy who has a girl and, you know, says they're going to miss each other and stuff like that. I thought they were going to be, like, you know, like messaging each other, like, uh, on the phones and stuff like that. And, like, you know, she yeah. was going to be, like, brought into the drama and stuff like that because, you know, like, a dinosaur could be attacking him. He's, like, there on the, like, doing FaceTime or whatever and, uh, you know, like saying, I'm okay and everything like that. And then she's like, oh, my God, you know, they're stuck in this park. I've got to do something. And maybe yeah. she would have had, like, a, like, some kind of part in it or something like that. They could have done something with her. Like, yeah, you know, have, like, the external drama. Like, like she's, she's there and she's helpless and her the guy that she really cares about is being chased around by this giant uh, velociraptor and yeah. like uh, you know it's like so you think she would like say oh what am i gonna do he's like i've got to like uh, call the navy or something like that or like you know all these people like are trapped uh, you know he's like he's there telling he's like all these people are trapped on the island you've got to send for help and she could have been something in this film but instead she was like played along for a couple of minutes and uh, to top it off to top it off you have this kid then uh, turn to um, uh, other girls and like you know g g again as you say give them me the and be like flirty with them yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's sort of giving the idea that all teenage boys are cheaters you know which you know can't deny many of them are but again it was just oh, yeah. according just, to all the seminars that's what they're like it's like men are dirt it's like you yeah. know that 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 that's what it is said to them so well you know this film for them would have been right down to the ground in regards to sending that message out yeah, and uh, again, there were a lot of things in this film that were never touched upon. Once, once they they never utilised things. There were a lot of little sort of flakes dropped in there, but it was never harkened back to in any way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there was a lot of disappointment on that aspect with the script. It was a little bit all over the place. It didn't really know what it was doing a lot of times, um, but. Um, 
the I'm just trying to think now. So the so yeah. well, are you thinking? I, let me just clarify something. I do support feminism, so you know it's like uh, don't, don't uh, take too much offense to my uh, feminazi no. thing. There are some feminists who take it way too far, and yes. I would kind of refer more to them than I am to the you know the the reasonable moderate feminists that uh, <laughs> I kind of relate to more than uh, some of the more insane ones. So uh, yeah. let me just clarify well, that. I suppose that would be the same with any kind of uh, group or faction. Uh, um, yeah, any but, any type of political persuasion. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to sort of talk about um, before we... I'll tell uh, you what then, I'll, uh, I mean, uh, we were only going to be talking about this for like half the show, but uh, given that we've, uh, oh, hang on, I'm echoing. Um, hello? Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm echoing for some strange reason. Right. Uh, uh, tell you what, I think you need to, uh, um, no, I think it's stopped now, so uh, yeah, I think I think it's all right. But, um, I mean... I'm trying to think what else we're going to talk about in this. There's, uh, there were quite a few things that I had jotted down, and uh, obviously there was Jimmy Fallon. We talked about that. Oh yeah, Jimmy yeah. Jimmy Buffett for some strange reason ended up in this film uh, right. as, a, as an escaping tourist who is a uh, I think he's like a country singer or something like that. And uh, the uh, I mean obviously you had the you know, the other people who were, like attacked by the like uh, pterodactyls and stuff like that and yeah, uh, yeah. things like that. But then after that bit happened, you would think they'd be more involved in the film, don't you? I yeah. mean, it's like, you have all these people, like, are all in peril and stuff like that, and, like, they're all trapped in this one area where the Indominus Rex could uh, come and, like, devour them all and mm. stuff like that. And this is, uh, a, a, you know, uh, actually, there's this another thing as well that I noticed, that uh, they did one bit of, like, uh, animatronic in this where, uh, you know, the Indominus Rex was killing for sport. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, then you saw, like, uh, them, uh, you know, tending, tending to the, uh, the Brontosauruses. Who would yes. like this. And he's not killing for food, so he's killing for sports. So this is a thing that's fully aware that it's happily able to kill people. So once again, what an asshole! But uh, um, so um, with with this uh, with that, you would think that uh, you could play a massive amount of peril with all these people to uh, and bring them involved and have like uh, you know the Dominus Rex threaten them in some way. But for that part of the third act, they've just basically been pushed aside. Yeah. So I, I I don't understand that. Which no. I mean, why why push them to one side? I mean, obviously they've been put in some peril already, but why not keep that peril going and say, well, you know, the Dominus Rex is going to come get them, and uh, you know, like have them all in one place, and then like you see the Dominus Rex almost get to them and stuff like that, and like you could see all of, all of that going on. But um, and then you bring in, which I believe is the scene which kind of saves. Uh, is worth your your money's worth of going to see this film, and that is uh, the emergence of the T Rex from the first film. Yeah, well, I was going to come on to this, but I mean, we've literally, we have the bit where they they release the Raptors to go and try and take down Indominus Rex. Indominus Rex then has a conversation with them in dinosaur, um, and then it's like, oh, we now find out that they are half. Rap- that, that it's half raptor and half t-rex so the raptors now suddenly turn curt and decide to attack the humans instead uh which i thought was a, a little bit weird as a plot point you know um but kind of made sense yeah. um i tell you what actually i'll be i mean, i, 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 I should have tell you what we actually should have seen that coming to be quite yeah. honest with you because like if it is part raptor then obviously it's gonna be you know it's gonna communicate with the raptors yeah. So it's like we. I, I think yeah. To be fair, we should have. That that was one. It did a. It did. Uh, it did actually walk away from me that bit. Uh, real. And I did actually forget it for a point. But then when it was, it was reminded to me when that happened. So uh, obviously, um, you know, the idea of turning it into like this, uh, you know, amazing weapon obviously failed. And um, 
yeah so and also it gave us that that cool little bit as well and uh, then you got to see uh, some more soldiers getting killed by raptors which uh, is uh, you know wasn't that uh, it's not been a theme amongst uh, you know Jurassic Park films it kind of like unfortunately ties it a little bit together too much to the other films where basically it's like soldiers and people with guns getting killed by dinosaurs yeah yeah exactly yeah it was it was uh, it, it whiffed a lot of the uh, the old films in that respect mm-hmm. um so yeah, so you have the battle between man and dinosaur, and then you have the Indominus Rex in the park, and all the people have now buggered off. Um, so you have the Indominus Rex in the main park. Um, the raptors come back, and then decide to change sides again for no other reason that I could see other than it was like, no, actually, I like Chris Pratt more than you. So <laughs> fuck you, Indominus Rex. But um, I, I didn't understand that in myself. Like, why would they? If they did that, if, if, if they did that, then why didn't they do it before? Yeah, exactly. Why were they so? Con- I, 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 I don't know. No, but but, uh, but then yeah. So we see that the the, the raptors are not uh, doing so well. In fact, I think by that point, there's only one raptor left. Yeah. Um, so uh, our Claire, the scientist, uh, decides to undo her shirt and make herself look like uh, the doctor from the first Jurassic Park movie, the, you know, the, the female character from that one, mm. um, for no reason other than, oh, let's do this. It can be a little Easter egg, which isn't actually an Easter egg because the idea with an Easter egg is that it's something subtle that has to be found, whereas that was just completely, you know, in your face. Yeah. Um, so. It's like, if she was like, just like, you know, she's just, you know, dress herself like that and like didn't like upfront it at the camera, then you could say it's a subtle reference to like say, oh yeah, well, it's like, because uh, uh, really what they were doing was, and keep this in mind, uh, Jurassic Park was made in 1993. And so those who were of the 90s kids would have been about that. But if you were going that towards the, you know, the kids who did not grow up in the 90s and didn't even know what the 90s were until their parents told them what it was yeah. you know it was uh you know for them that was just you know very confusing and you heard that from uh, the laughter in the audience because like you could hear like this kind of like adult laughter coming in from that on that scene but then you heard besides that maybe just like zero from the rest of it the rest of the people yeah. in there yeah exactly they didn't yeah. know what was going on and and then she gets the flare like in the first one as well to lure the T-Rex. But I was thinking, how the hell would she be sure that number one, the T-Rex would be waiting at the gate if it's a massive enclosure? How would she know it was there? Two, how did she know she'd be able to outrun the T-Rex? Because we saw from the first film that they had to, you know, really put the pedal to the metal in the car yeah. <laughs> and being chased by it and also that it would actually be bothered in fighting the Indominus Rex and maybe not actually just go after her as well and also that it would team up with the Velociraptor. It all just seemed a little bit Pokemon at that point. Um, but uh, And then also it, it, the T-Rex couldn't hold its own against the Spiniosaurus yet can quite easily beat the shit out of the Indominus Rex, which is a genetic hybrid, genetically bred to be bigger and scarier than it and the Velociraptor. Like, 
Yeah, but you got to keep in mind. You got to keep in mind that uh, you know continuity. I think is uh, yeah, not something that's done very well. Not something that's done very well in film in general. Rather than yeah. uh, you know, I, that, yeah. So. By this point, we don't need to worry about that. Yeah. But um, then, uh, then obviously we have the the little payback to the uh, the big monster that's waiting in the uh, in the pool that jumps out and gets the Indominus Rex, even though the, the Indominus Rex at no point falls into the pool. Although from the point where they got it to the edge, I was like, oh, well, we know what's coming now. It's going to be the deep blue sea Samuel Jackson moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it wasn't splashing in the water, so I don't know why the thing came up and ate it, especially at night as well. But Yeah, it was. Uh, was if it, 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 the T-Rex had pushed him in, and, like, you know, like they did, like, the whole, like, uh, you know, and it kind of would have been, like, a nice little reference to, like, T-1000 or something like that, you know, when uh, he, that thing died in the Terminator, and then the thing just kind of, like, just grabbed it and, like, dragged it underwater. But even then, I was looking at that scene, and I thought, wait a minute, didn't they say that this thing was part cuttlefish and part frog? So yeah, it has some yeah. amphibian aspects to it. Isn't there a possibility possibility that this thing isn't dead yet yeah I, I was hanging on that thinking this thing ain't dead yet I yeah. think this thing's gonna come back it's like yeah. so I thought oh well there's gonna be more this uh, it's like uh, there's no there's gonna be more to this so obviously the uh, the fight between the t-rex and that and that thing was was phenomenal it was a pretty big yeah. thing yeah and, I mean, it you know, good. yeah it, it looked great it really did and you know they say you know they say CGI is overdone and but if it's done right, then it's done. Then it's uh, and in that situation, I thought it was done right. Yeah. And uh, you know, you had uh, and also I thought you know San Andreas when I was uh, watching that. Obviously, you know, it wasn't really well acted, but the CGI in that was actually really good, okay. and uh, it did actually make you believe that you know San Andreas is falling to pieces. But um, in regards to um, in regards to this, you know, this was the best way of making something feel huge, making something feel real, and uh, you know, smashing up the whole set and everything. And uh, that that was great. And I have no complaints uh, about that last scene. It's just too bad that last uh, battle couldn't have the same, uh, couldn't be the set as good as the rest of the film. And uh, I think that's the problem with it. It was too slow to start with. It was too slow in the middle. It caught up a little bit towards the end, and then eventually it hit the uh, it hit the climax. But by then, no, you know, you felt like the rest of the movie was kind of uh, a missed opportunity, and this thing was the thing. And that was yeah. the only reason you would uh, you could justify your price to say, okay, I'm going to go see the fight between the T Rex and the Adonis Rex. <laughs> yeah, and uh, exactly, maybe yeah. maybe if it was like like that. Maybe you probably would have, like, you know, the rest of it could have just been, like, you know, an hour and or whatever it was, uh, you know, what, about an hour and 45 minutes of uh, of whatever, and then you mm -hmm. could have just uh, had that fight then, you know, fair enough. But Yeah. Uh, so just to wrap up, because obviously we've got, I think, another 30 minutes before I've got to shoot off. But yeah. uh, So on the whole, I thought it was, it was kind of, it was nice to come back to, um, to Jurassic Park, but not necessarily in the way that that film did it. Um, yeah. So, you know, on the whole, I thought that the performance from the dinosaurs was fantastic. The performance from the humans was not so not good. So, great, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, so... Um, I would say, okay, so let's say we did... I mean, I'm trying to think what might be the best way of doing this. Uh, shall we do the IMDB type of rating or shall we do the Rotten Tomatoes type of rating? Uh, so, I, let's go for IMDb. Please. IMDb. Okay, so there's ten stars that we can possibly give it. So out of those stars, how many would we say we give it? Uh, I would probably give it maybe a six. Mm. Tell you what, I will agree with those, and I will say I will give it. I think I should say I will give it a seven. Yeah. 
because okay. I think uh, like there was it was likable. I mean that that's one of the best things. The best the worst thing that could have come out of this film that is could have been a complete and utter disaster. But it wasn't that. No. no and uh, you know they you know okay the script was the script was bad and the actors were trying their best. But I think it was. I think the casting wasn't that great. Again, like I say, I think Art Parkinson would probably have been better than Ty Simpkins. You know, all respect to Ty. Yeah. And uh, also, I think. Also, I think um, you know, having Brad Bird cameo was quite funny. And uh, I don't know if you discovered that now. And uh, now thinking back, it uh, was quite good. And then the 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 fight between the uh, the dinosaurs between T Rex and you know that that thing you know that 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 worked yeah. and that kept people entertained and it was a pretty epic if 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 you had if we had to have a uh, you know a top 10 battles of uh, of 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 movies going between 2010 to 2015 that that should be within the within the top 10 at least and sure. uh, you know with the rest of them just being superhero fights but uh, yeah. i mean that that so for me i will happily say you know 7 out of 10 and if they if they improved the scripts a bit more if they'd uh, done a bit more done if they'd done a bit more homework i reckon with the uh, with the, the whole dinosaur you know uh, aspect you know say like you said before like we ran out of dinosaurs which yeah. i think you know was a bit of a stretch and uh yeah i think then i probably would have been a bit more kinder but uh, seven i think is probably reasonable to say the yeah. least for, for what for what's going on here cool. so i mean obviously we'll, we'll finish off with a sequel i mean uh, I, I mean obviously we've gone like an hour and a half so uh, i mean we're, we're running we're running out of time but uh, um i would say in regards to sequels i mean my idea of the sequel for this would be that uh, now it's kind of like um this thing appears to be now going taking more of a military aspect so it wouldn't surprise me now if uh, we had maybe something that goes on in like maybe in south america because you know that's um i don't know why this movies now seems like it's reference you know uh, uh conflict in south america for whatever reason and uh, maybe if that still means a theme maybe i would say there would be um maybe a war maybe it's like some kind of armed conflict or whatever and it's kind of gone our way and they bring people in and that's the reason it's gone our way is because basically they've been using like a secret dinosaur program to like uh, fight, fight the enemy and stuff and they, yeah. they maybe there's people that have been brought in to like kill those dinosaurs or whatever Whatever, and uh, it's uh, uh, the guy who plays Doctor Henry Wu, who's behind the whole thing and things like that. So, oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I think I think there's you know they could make a really good sequel. I think if they if they did a war film with yeah. dinosaurs and a good war film with dinosaurs, then you know that would be something I would be interested in seeing. Uh-huh. Um, just just you know make sure that they they really put the work in with the script first. I think. Yeah, I think uh, I mean the reason I say South America is because Avatar. I remember, I remember like as he like he's running down like all these like fights, and one of them was Venezuela. Uh, yeah. the, the guy in the film and uh, Jack Sully and uh, so I mean whether they do that again, uh, I'm not too sure, but. Uh, um, I think yeah, I think I think a war like some kind of armed maybe some kind of like war game thriller maybe yeah. and like uh, so uh, like dinosaurs now have been introduced into like the uh, into like the military maybe like there's there's that moral aspect of like you know these are dinosaurs you know okay they're not they're not they're natural predators what they do is kill things and they eat them and whatever and then there's the other side of it. it's like well these are still animals at the end of the day that have thoughts and feelings and things like that and that's another that's a direction they could go in with a sequel but uh so uh let's see what happens you know who knows maybe we might get something completely different or uh maybe something that might surprise us who knows 
Yeah. So uh, maybe you could have like maybe you have like dinosaurs like wander around in the city and uh, you know like uh, assassinate <laughs> well, people. Well, yeah. The, I mean, if the that'd be pretty scary. Like it. Yeah. That's that's well, that's what the creationists believe happened, isn't it? Now, <laughs> now that we've found you well, know, now that, that dinosaurs they... are running around uh, what New York City and killing people. Uh, the, yeah. The, yeah. The Adam and Eve rode on the back of dinosaurs. You oh, know. Fucking uh, hell. <laughs> But again, that's a topic for another day. That's a topic sure for another day, that. yeah. So but, uh, uh, yeah. we were going to talk about some other stuff in the show, but uh, to be honest with you, we've ran we've ran a hell of a lot of uh, a lot on this. So I think oh, yeah. we thought we were going to be forty five minutes, but the fact that this whole thing's been so, I mean, even though we've only given like a six and a seven, so at the moment we're giving about six point five out of 10 stars you know uh, it has been a pretty epic thing and uh, the fact that it also references our childhood as well back in the 90s you know it's yeah. uh, it needs analysis like this mm-hmm. to be honest with you so uh, yeah we'll call it there and uh, we'll be back next week um, if you want to listen on if you're listening on Mixcloud it's mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta if you want to listen on uh, the uh, podcast feeds it's uh, uh, Stitcher it's Player FM it's uh, iTunes it's uh, all the uh, podcast uh podcast hosts out there so we're probably wait for you to find in regards to myself I'm thinking of hosting a midweek show still I mean obviously it's not happened this week I might consider seeing what what next week's going to be like I'm just trying to find some uh, good time to try and organize myself and get something going midweek and then obviously because uh, you know Harry you know well, you've been on this we do this every weekend now pretty much and uh, I don't want to call it the Arometa show because it's kind of like vain of me really you not reference yourself so yeah. I might what I might do is uh, you, let's have a conversation within the week let's talk about what we could rename the show and uh, then I can have my plot on, like on a Wednesday or a Thursday or whatever and then we can have this so uh, let's see how it let's see how it all plays out, and uh, sure. we'll think about something else. I'm sure we had the conversation before. Yeah, I'm sure there's an episode where we talked about we're going to rename <laughs> the show, and then yeah. here we go. This other week is like we're going to rename the show. So yeah. uh, well, anyway, we'll uh, we'll find some time to talk about it. So uh, anyway, Harry, as always, thank you very much, and uh, pleasure, but, pleasure, Aaron, and pleasure talking dinosaurs with you. Pleasure talking dinosaurs with you too, and uh, yeah, for everyone else, thank you very much for checking out the show. And uh, sorry, we're not managed to talk anything else, but uh, we'll. Uh, uh, catch up with some other stuff next week and uh, anything that we think you know we will really want to talk about this week we'll move on to next week as well or i'll try and talk about it on wednesday if possible so thanks guys thank you very much and we'll take care bye for now <laughs>